said amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let me turn this down. Amen. Well, good to be here this morning. When I come, the parking lot was clean. So I wondered why everybody wasn't here. But I'm glad to be here. How many is glad to be here this morning? We will not keep you that long because I, th I have been told, I heard that 15 times this morning, I heard that it was going to snow, and it is snowing. I heard there's going to be a rapture, and we're in the process of one, so it's, I have heard, I have heard, I have heard. I have heard that it's still warm in Cancun, <laughs> and uh, it was warm in Cancun. I even got a suntan. It's amazing when you put lotion on you, keeping the sun from burning you, then you come home and put three coats on to stay warm. And that's what we've done. But we enjoyed our trip. Thank you for letting us go, and thank you for your prayers. We did test negative as far as having any disease or germs. So that was wonderful. My wife was so concerned that I would show up positive and she'd show up negative. <laughs> I said, don't worry, I'm not going to show up positive. You may show up positive, but I know that I'm going to be negative. And basically, we had a supernatural intervention, and we both come up negative. I said, well, we're going to come up negative because they don't want to pay for us to stay 10 more days. And it was all on the resort, so I'm sure that they made sure everybody come up negative. All right, we're going to approach the Scripture this morning. This is a study, and since we, the conditions that we are, we'll just basically lay a foundation. I don't want to just get through and you say, well, I come for nothing. But this is a continuation, basically, of a sermon that we preached week before last of an entrance or being established in present-day truth. We must be established in present-day truth. Now, we're building to an uh, understanding or a thought that we're building to was that there's an entrance. Peter said in the same scripture, we can go back. That there would be an entrance preached to us or ministered to us to entering into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There will be an entrance ministered to us. Now, when you speak of an entrance, we always think about a door. There has to be a way in. Now, how many knows who the door is? Jesus said that I'm the door. All right. He also said, I am the way. And he said, I am the truth. And he said, I am the life. Now, did Jesus the Son say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Or did Jesus the Father, God, say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Because how many knows that you got a Jesus inside of a Jesus? You say, well, that's a mystery. Well, it's not really a mystery. If I, my name is Jesus, and I have a son, and I name him Jesus then that Jesus is not this Jesus. One's a father and one's the son. Now, the entrance into this immortal life, and that's what we're going to, the power of an endless life, the entrance into the power or manifestation of an endless life comes by a revelation or a ministry. There's going to be an entrance ministered to us of entering into a paradox or a manifestation of an endless life. What you're seeing is a promise of a manifestation of the life of God in every individual believer at the end time called the bride of Christ. I'm following now. 
How many believes you have eternal life? Okay. We will say, I've got eternal life. You would say, how many would say the eternal life is basically the life or product or God himself? If we have eternal life, then how powerful is God? Well, he can do all things. Then if I have that power in me, then what is hindering the manifestation of the power of eternal life? There's a power of eternal life. There has to be a manifestation of eternal life. Because it's by, Paul said the whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons now, which the sons will find out is an expression of eternal life. There has to be a manifestation or an expression of a, the endless life. Brother Van called it the endless life. It is basically the power of the eternal life, which is God himself. Let me just follow it. Don't be quiet on me. Just call this cold this morning. You're going to have to get me along or we'll be here all day. You don't want to be here all day. So I'm going to lay a foundation because the entrance into the, uh, let's say, our stage of the glorified body, which would be the manifestation or the end product of eternal life, is basically here with us now, and we're entering in the last stage, which will be a revelation of who we are. And we go through the seven steps of immortality later on. But the first step to immortality, as far as Jesus was concerned, and Peter referred back to it as the Mount Transfiguration revelation, was the identity of the Son. To get into anything, you have to come through an entrance or a door. And Jesus declared, now the manifestation, the man, Jesus, which was a created man, now, when I say created man, he was a created cell in the womb of a virgin, a new creation, a new race of people. And God was the creator by the spoken word. All right. So you're looking at a new race. You've got Adam, you've got Cain, and now then you've got Jesus this woman's seed bringing forth a new race of people. Making us a new creation called the body of Christ. Which was basically a body produced by life itself, which is called the Holy Ghost. God is spirit. God is life. All right. The product of that spiritual process will be manifested in individuals called sons, male and female, or both designated as children or sons. So the mystery is Christ. Son is a mystery of God revealed in this end time to bring forth the manifestation of eternal life that's already in you called the power of of endless life. And just follow me so far. You have a power which is God. Think how powerful is God. All things are possible. If I can use that power, then what power do I possess or I can use? 
If we are sons of God, what power and authority do we have? Then where is the authority of our position as sons that's available to us? It's all dwelling in us now. You already have it. We only have to learn how to appropriate or surrender to it to let it be expressed. Now, if Jesus was the example, and he was, he said he done nothing or said nothing or acted in any way outside of the spirit that was in him that we can say basically possessed him. It took over complete preeminence of every faculty of his being. So everything you see Jesus do or say by his own will being submitted to the Father was absolutely life or God expressing himself who is invisible through human flesh making himself known to the world. When you see me, you see the Father. Now, when that God left the body of Jesus, now he was a man, a person who had a will, who basically said, Lord, if it be a way, keep me from this cross or the persecution, the death. But he said, not my will, but thy will be done. So therefore, he forfeited his will to the will of the Father and basically went to the cross to die to redeem you and I, which are the thoughts of God, back into a process or a, a spirit of life going toward a destination. In other words, there was a breach, and he closed that breach and brought us right back to the tree of life. And we've been in this process, this stage, moving towards the tree of life for a product. And that product is what we call immortality, which is an endless life manifested in a physical form. Are you following me so far? So the mystery to all of this, according to the end time message that we're looking at, the revelation all lays in what we call the sun. I titled this series, The Sun. You say, uh-oh, here we go again on theology and what more. You will never be able to take this Bible and compare verse to verse and come up with a revelation of God. You say, well, this Bible is God in written form. Yes, but it is of no private interpretation. In other words, you cannot go to school and learn how to read Greek and Hebrew and whatever more for the last 2,000 years trying to figure out what this written Bible is telling you. The only interpreter to this Bible is the one who wrote it. And the one who wrote it is what we call God who is spirit and is invisible to us except by means of human flesh communicating. And our problem is to basically define is this a communication of God, the spirit, or is it not? A communication of God. So we're left with a decision to discern who is basically speaking the true spirit word and who is not speaking the true spirit word. That is left up to the individual. 
But we know according to this written word, and every theologian will understand, that it takes a prophet. Everybody say prophet. It's not a bad word. That's what this Bible is all about. A prophet that the invisible spirit God uses as a designated office to speak to the people through and to. And the people is what made that decision. Because when God appeared to them visibly, that they could see him as a pillar of fire on the mountain, as a cloud up there, they were so fearful of God's presence that they said, don't let God speak to us now as a people, but let him speak to Moses, a prophet, and let Moses tell us what he wants done. And God said, that's the way it will be from here on. So according to Amos 3, 7, surely the Lord God will do nothing except through his servant, the prophet. The prophet is used very sparingly. As far as the Bible is concerned, there is what we call preachers, which is prophets, preaching the gospel. But as far as prophets, seer, like Moses and the Old Testament prophets, there was Moses, Paul, and one promised at the end time for the Gentiles, which the Gentiles is not promised to receive a prophet except in Matthew chapter 12, for God to do for the Gentiles exactly what he has done for Israel, and that is to bring a presentation of himself to us through a prophet that we can recognize the Spirit God as he presented himself to Israel through the man Jesus Christ called the Messiah, or the anointing made flesh. Amen. And it's following me so far. So the only way that you and I will ever see God, not hear God, but see God through the natural eye, will be in the form of a man or a person in human flesh communicating and speaking forth Words, which is spirit and life, representing God. If it is not according to the Word, then it's not of God. Which a lot of preachers, according to Jeremiah, and that's where we get very fearful on this subject of making a mistake. Because we're so close to the end that one mistake will take me out of the book of life. We are not allowed a mistake today. Why? Because God himself has come down and interpreted and this open book, our portion, to establish us in present day truth. Every system, there's thousands of them out there, are propagating, we are the truth, we got the truth, we got the truth, we got the best theologian, we got the best brains, we got the best school, we know the truth. Not one system out there has the truth. Not one system. There will, you will not find one theologian. You can go to the Bible bookstore and buy every book in there, and I've bought a copy of most every one of them. There is not any 100% truth in any commentary, any book by, written by any man. It is not there. And the reason why is because they have sold out to the lie. 
that was made thousands of years ago at 325 A.D. when the intellectual minds come together to understand who Jesus was called the Son. This interviewer, I've watched his name on TV, he's been there for years and years. I think I made a comment when he passed away two or three weeks ago. They asked him, when you go to heaven, when you die, and you get to interview God, what are you going to ask him? And he said, the first question I'm going to ask God is, did you really have a son? Well, that's not nothing to laugh about because 99% of the world does not believe God had a son. They believe that Jesus was God, making him basically the second God in the Godhead because we have been sold a bill of goods that there are three persons in the Godhead. And that would make by any definition three gods. And we know that if they've got more than one God, you are an idolater. You are cast out of the economy of God. Because God said, I will have no other gods before me. I am the only one. And beside me, there is no other God. So can we agree this morning to our minds that there is only one God? He is spirit. He is love. He is life. And no man has seen the Father and lived. In other words, no one has ever seen this invisible God except in a form or a means or a theophany to communicate His presence. All right. When we put a picture of the light there on the wall, which is called the Shekinah glory. I know this is the background and you're all familiar with it. And basically we'll bring the same notes back next week because this is the only way that we'll get into this stage of immortality. You've got to come through this door. We have got to understand who the Son is. Because unless you understand the Son, you will never be comfortable and established in your sonship as sons and daughters of God. That's the reason why we cannot and do not use the power of immortal life or the power of an endless life that is in us now. Come on, don't quite know. You got power to heal your body. You got power in here to change your body. When we talk about the glorified body, where's it going to come from? It's going to come from within you. It's already there. If you have a soul, which is the endless life, it's eternal. It comes from God. It is a part of God. It, if, as low as this as big as your little finger, it has enough power to create a world and go live on it. Then it has the power not only to heal your body, but it has the power, if there's something that's open to the gate of the mind, to basically change this body and walk out of this dimension. We're in the hour now of that manifestation or expression. We're not talking about healing the sick, raising the dead, and casting out devils. We're talking about the power in a remnant that supersedes Pentecostal power, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We're talking about a revelation that brings forth the power of an endless life 
And you have eternal life in you now. Amen. Amen. So we're looking at this entrance. We're building towards the seven steps to immortality. And this is number one. All right. So I titled this sermon, The Son. Basically, the sun. Now, let's get back. That light that has appeared there is not God per se. When I say God per se, that is called the Shekinah glory. It represents the presence of God. What do you mean represents the presence of God? The invisible God that you cannot see is manifesting himself in that light. So you have the principle that come out of the eternal God. You have the principle it is God who is life in Christ the anointing reconciling the world unto himself. And you can follow me there. You cannot see God. But to know that God is present he has to have a form. He makes himself known by some means. And he chose that in the beginning, the prophet said, in the beginning, God birthed forth of himself a son. Now, that son we know was named Jesus. Amen. But we also know that that son is called the Son of God, which was the Holy Spirit revealing himself. Because John said in the beginning was the light, the word, the Logos. And the Logos was with God. And the Logos was God. Now, Trinitarians want to make the Logos, verse 15, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Logos is what spoke the word to create a body of flesh for the light himself to come and live and manifest himself in. Are you following? Now then you have the principle that Jesus could say, and Paul said, that in him was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So all we're seeing is what? God absolutely unfolding himself, revealing his plan, bringing it into a stage that we call physical, or manifestation, bringing his basically eternal spirit plan into a form called flesh or material. In other words, we could remain spiritual. You and I this morning, in another dimension, we already have a body waiting for us. And that body is called, John, uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that body was called an eternal body already there waiting for you and I to go to it if we leave this body here and it's called death. You will never die. You have an endless life. That revelation gives you authority. Come on, if I cannot die, then who can destroy me? Nobody. So therefore, why should we be afraid of what can destroy the flesh? 
Because we're concerned about who can destroy both body and soul in eternal life, eternal fire. So there's nothing can harm me. And you've got to understand and see yourself as a son of God. That means going to follow me. I am, you could already say, I am a son of God. What you're saying as a son, I give you a definition. Let's look at what the definition of a son is. Son, a male child or descendant. Therefore, if Jesus was the created son of God, he was a descendant of a source. Now, what we're trying to break down to you is either a lie or the truth, or it is the mystery to make you different than 99% of the world. You say, well, we're in the message. 98% of the people in the message, I'd say almost 99.9 of the people in the message, fall into one or two categories, and now we believe or fall into the category of one called oneness. I haven't talked to basically... Maybe one or two ministers since I've been ministering that understood the Godhead correctly. And I'm not saying I've, I've got it. Nobody's got it. But I just hadn't talked to anybody that understood it. Everybody in this message that I know is a minister. When you listen to them preach on the Godhead, they always come back one like your finger. Their oneness, which is an error. Look, any young male person spoken of as a child. Now, he's put male because of son. It, you know, we say, well, female would be daughter, but we are sons and daughters of God, represented as sons, and son is only speaking of a seed or a source, where son represents a life or a product of a life, because it takes a life to produce a life. Every seed life shall produce after its own kind. So if we have a seed in us, of God, what will our product be? Sons of God. If you claim that Jesus never had, or God never had a son, or Jesus was not the only, I put now the term now, only begotten son of God, then you are denying your position as being sons. You cannot call yourself a son of God unless God had a son to begin with. All right, if Jesus was God, as 99% or 100% of people believe, then there's no such things as sons of God. Then what are we? Well, we're dogs out here converted into something else. No, no, no. No, you never was nothing but a son of God, period. Amen. Let's read about it. All right. It's a disciple, a native or inhabitant, the produce of something or the product of anything, it says. Son-in-law, the husband of one's daughter, which is an adjective. Sonless means without a son. Sonny, a little son. This is the definition I got from the dictionary. Sonship is a state or character of a son. Now, do we realize our sonship? That's what we're looking at because unless we realize our sonship, 
we will never understand our character and our power as being amateur gods. The supernatural should be nothing out of the ordinary for sons and daughters of God. But we, by our understanding and God's plan, have moved beyond resting on leadership as far as signs and wonders are signs that we follow leadership according to signs. The revelation of God the Son to us as God being sons, we have a leadership that is not signs and wonders. We have a leadership of a revelation of God Himself being here that we call the Logos in a revelation through flesh to us and we are now the product come on now we are now the product of recognizing that word and we are in this exodus or this seven step process to immortality amen let me keep up with the time we won't keep you real long this morning but I want to get this laid down now Brother Branham here to lay it down. He said, watch, here's uh, two quotes. And we want to understand it. Well, at the Nicene Council, they come to two great decisions. Many of them that day of the early church fathers, they had two extreme views. One of them was a triune God, a Trinitarian. The other one was a one God. And they both come into existence and went out on two straight limbs, two Two lines of thought, and they fought each other all the way through, and they're still fighting each other. They both come into existence and went out on two things like that. The triunity became a place of a three God person. The oneness became a Unitarian, just as far wrong as the other one was. So when you claim that Jesus was God, that he was not the Son, he was only God's mask, and that he become flesh. He evaporated and went back to the pillar of fire. And one day, I don't know how they bring him back, but he's going to come back in a glorified body. They evaporate him and then they bring him back. If you evaporate him, how can you going to bring him back? So they're looking at one God only changing his mass. He's the Father, he's the Son, he's the Holy Ghost, he's only one like your finger. Brother Bram said that is absolutely wrong. If you leave out the sun, you can't get into immortal life called eternal life or the kingdom. You've got to come through the door. And the door was the flesh body God used to reveal himself to you as Savior, as Redeemer, as Messiah, as the way, the truth, and the life. So all of that that you claim Jesus said was the invisible God speaking through his lips, trying to get you to see him moving you and showing you who you are by this manifestation. All right. Just listen, now watch. The oneness became a Unitarian just as far wrong as the other one was. They both went out on limbs, but right in here reveals the truth. What, right here in the middle, right here under the seals now. Jesus could not be his own father. Can everybody say amen to that? 
once you say amen to that, you have crossed 98.9% of the people that claims to follow this message. And I'm not condemning anyone. They sit down and explain it. They just cannot see it. If they could study and get it, they would. I said it and getting, didn't get it. Well, then how did you get it? I took the word of a prophet, exactly what he said, confessed it to be true, taught it in that line, held true to it until it became an understanding. And no one can call Jesus the Christ without the Holy Ghost or a soul that come from God to start with. Now, we're not preaching Baptist Sunday school lessons here. We're preaching a process of immortality that is now present day truth for the resurrection and a rapture of the church to get us out of here that God himself can go back to Israel for three and one half years or 1260 days, which is a very short period of time to God, and he will destroy it all. We're fixing to walk out on a new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth, and set up a holy kingdom in a remnant with the power of an endless life. We won't need none of this because we'll have a glorified body. Amen. You say, I don't know how about that. I don't know exactly how it's going to be, but it's been said. I believe it, and it will come to pass. That's all I know. So we're just establishing in you what we believe that a prophet has given to us, and we believe that prophet was a mouthpiece of God. Now watch. Jesus could not be his own father. If he had a father outside of the Holy Spirit, I know this is boring in a way, but this, is a, this will bring life to you. Uh, that you, you cannot understand Brother Brandon's message. I'll put it like this. And those are out on live stream. And I know a lot of people sitting at home this morning. I was, I was live streaming last week. And I looked down. And we had about two or 300 people online watching the service. And hopefully we got that many people that, online this morning watching the service. So there's two or 300 people out here that continues to watch. So therefore they must be in some agreement as to what we're speaking. Are they only viewing because they're trying to find something wrong with what you're speaking, one or the other? But if we believe what has been brought forth, that is an expression of who you are as the heirs of this promise. Because the Bible only says that we'll receive this spirit of wisdom revelation, only the elect, not the church, not the people that lives under if, that's a whole new series. If. Most Christians live under if. This Bible contains an unconditional covenant to some. It also contains an if to others. It contains an if to the church. If you will do well, you shall be accepted. Like Peter said, if you do these things, you shall have immortal life. If you do. There is a group of people that were ordained to eternal life, unconditional of the doing. Will we not do? Absolutely we will do what's pleasing to the Father. But what we don't do, according to those that do do, that sound, didn't sound right, did it? 
<laughs> that believes in works, in other words, let me put it like this. You and I may not fulfill every dress code and every legal element of the legalists and Armenians in this message. Is their law imputed to us for sin according to the Word of God as being the elect? No. They can't understand how you and I can basically, oh, we get by this, you can do this, one more. And I can't get by with it. It's because you got a mindset. You believe you got to work and do and obey God to get in. We believe in the unconditional covenant of seed that we are sons and we have an eternal covenant through Jesus Christ that we are now the sons and daughters of God. There is an if. And if you do well, you will be accepted. If you obey, you can get in. Go back to Cain. This theologian, I got a book at home. He takes you through the, every book in the Bible and shows you if, 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 all the way through the Bible, proving that it takes works and obedience to be saved. And he starts out with Cain and Abel. Cain offered a more excellent sacrifice and was accepted. What was accepted? The sacrifice. The sacrifice was accepted. What was the sacrifice? It was only an expression of a revelation or Abel's faith manifested in works. He had a revelation that was blood which was the law of reproduction that put him out of the garden. <laughs> Cain couldn't accept that he was a product of an animal. Now, it makes people mad when you say, well, now, you know, you only a brute, a natural brute beast. You're basically an animal. Well, every one of us has a mixture of animal. But some of us have a life, a source, a product of a spiritual being called God that we call soul that was transmitted through the blood because soul and life is in the blood. Therefore, by the blood are we brought forth in reproduction. But the life that is in the blood, coming from Adam, would be the life of Almighty God. Cain did not come from Adam. All right? So Adam, or Cain, he presented a first fruits. He went out and cut a garden down, whatever more, a first fruits sacrifice, which was excellent. Because why? It was a Pentecostal revelation. First fruits. He got basically almost perfect. Pentecost is almost perfect. But they don't accept the blood in its fullness. They want to add to it their works, which is Pentecost, and then acts and signs and wonders and works and what and more on and on and on and on that they can do. God only receives one excellent sacrifice, and that is a revelation 
which the manifestation of that is the words that come out of your mouth called worship in Almighty God. How do you worship God? You put your word in your mouth and bring the truth of the hour right back to God to establish you in present day truth. You can confess everything that Luther taught today and won't be accepted. You can offer up every Pentecostal dogma. You can cast out devils. We can have all kinds of signs and wonders, which was Pentecostal age today, and it will not be accepted. You say, well, I don't believe that. No one's going to believe it outside of sons of God for this hour. We are uh, absolutely a unique portion of the life process of the Word of God that will have an element that we cannot explain but it's absolutely a soul, a part of God himself, that will absolutely hear, receive the word which is spirit and life in the day in which you live. And when you hear the word, you're hearing the voice of Almighty God. Amen. So Brother Bam said, now we've got two extremes. And the Holy Ghost, he said, conceived him, and he said God was his Father. So the Holy Ghost and God, according to Matthew 1.18, the Holy Ghost and God has to be the same person. Amen. So he's calling God a person. Let's call God a person. I would call him a man. When Moses seen him, he seen him the back parts of a man. When he expressed himself in his perfect image that he had of himself, it was in Jesus Christ, a man. Amen. So Jesus was what God thought of himself as a perfect expression of himself Therefore, he said, in Jesus the man, when you see me, my expression, then you absolutely see me, the invisible one that's doing the words. All right. You say, well, this is hard to understand. It's not really hard to understand. Let's put it this way. Turn it around to the evil. Have you ever seen a person that was possessed of the devil? I've seen a person that's been used of the devil. I've had that spirit of the devil speak to me through that person. Not in their own voice, but they spoke. You say, well, that was that individual speaking. It wasn't really the individual. It was the spirit using that individual's voice telling me that you're not so-and-so and you can't cast me out and you can't do this and that. Now, who's really doing the talking to me or to you? It's not that person per se. It's that spirit that's controlling the faculties of the person at that time that we call demon possession. In other words, it's possessing the intellect and your spirit and absolutely using your vocal cords to talk through. That's the same way that God done Jesus for three and a half years when he deposited himself in him and lived in him. He absolutely possessed that body and expressed himself day by day in a body called Jesus the man. All right. The same person, or he had two daddies, and he was called Emmanuel, which is God with us. He claimed when he was here on earth that he and the Father was one. Now see, Brother Ram, turn around and spin you right back to a one. You'll always be confused by the prophet unless you have a revelation of what he's trying to get across and what the Bible actually teaches, and that is there's only one God. He is spirit. You will never see him outside in his full expression, outside the created man, Jesus of Nazareth, our Lord, 
our king, our bridegroom. Amen. In the mouth of two witnesses, I'll just basically skip that next verse. Right. Well, let's, uh, if we want to make it, well, how late are we? It's basically the same definition in a different place. And he said, there was one that believed that God was one. And they went on the other side to be a Unitarian. Both of them are wrong. My point is, there is a revelation between the Trinitarians of three persons and oneness who believe in one person. There's one person, God. John said there was the Father, the Logos, the, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. These three are the self-same person, self-same Spirit God, only revealing Himself under a different ministry. We call it a title, but it's absolutely a ministry of the Holy Spirit, a ministry of God, because God is the one that's building the body, and He's the one with the plan, and He's the one that's doing it all. So this morning, the power of this invisible God is the one that got you up out of bed, and the one that overcome, I know it's cold, I know that there won't be too many there, I, I know that I should go, but I really don't want to, and the cold weather gives me a mighty good excuse, because they told me it was going to do this, and it's going to snow, and it's going to be cold. Brother and sister, there's more obstacles coming than a little snow out here. Every day, every day, every day, you see your freedoms taken away from you. You see the government, which is nothing but the devil, absolutely coming after you. They're not coming after Trump. They're coming after that son and daughter of God. They don't know what bodies they're hid behind. They only know those that's open in their mouth out here as conservatives. And uh, we want Christianity. And we want freedom. And we want to do our own thing. Oh, one more. If they ever get rid of that true Christian, then they can rule the world. Will they ever do it? Yes. They will rule the world by the help of the Roman Catholic Church. If you take the word Vatican, it is basically House of Cain. I didn't write that, but that's what they said. Vatican, it's the House of Cain. Oh, you shouldn't say nothing bad about the Catholic people. We're not. There's good people everywhere. But that era, that spirit that's behind that system. That's using those men. That's using the leaders. That's anointed the people to think a certain way is contrary to the Spirit of God. That's just the way that it is. All right, now then. In our text of John 5, we won't just give me about 10 more minutes. I know 
I seen a lawyer the day trying to impeach Trump. He said, I've got 25 minutes left, and I'm not going to take the whole 25 minutes. I'm only going to take uh, uh, 23 minutes. Uh, yeah, 23. Well, I'm not going to take the 25 minutes. I'm only going to take 23 and a half. All right. Listen to how Jesus, and it's going to take the on a lesson. It's kind of a teaching lesson. It's slow. It's it, I may, I think one part in here, I even questioned whether I had the title placed exactly right in my notes or not. We'll look at it as I go through. But Jesus is basically placing the sun. He's dividing the sun up into rolls. All right. In John 5, 25 to 27. Verily I say unto you, now this is Jesus that we call the created son or the only begotten son, which means only son come by creation. But Jesus is, now here, don't scream to me. Jesus is basically a prophet. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. Every one of us has been taught all of our life that Jesus was God. Jesus, the man, was only a tabernacle, a body, in whom God used and revealed himself to Israel through. Jesus, the man, never called himself God. Only theologians done that, and they done it as got through reading that 325 a day. So Peter and what more that we're looking at established it in the truth. They didn't have all of this false teaching of Nicene Catholic Church Romanism. They didn't have 2,000 years of false denominational teaching to go through. They understood the original revelation. And step number one into immortality is what? Who do you say that I, the son of man, am? Now watch the titles, Son. Jesus asked, and we'll find in our series, the first step to immortality. The only way to get in the process, you've got to start somewhere. And you've got to start at the door. And you've got to start at the entrance. Now remember this age in total darkness, we find Jesus, the Holy Spirit. When you say Jesus, you're thinking about the man. But you find the Holy Spirit Outside of the church, knocking, trying to get back into the church. What form is he knocking? A prophet. Hey, Miss, follow me. Are you? If the Holy Spirit is outside of the church and he's knocking, how is the Holy Spirit knocking? You say, oh, that's Jesus standing at the door knocking. Jesus is on the mercy seat. Jesus is sitting on the Father's throne. Who's standing at the door of the church knocking, trying to get back into the hearts of the people? Holy Spirit. How does he knock? How does he, the Holy Spirit say, come out over my people? What means of communication, uh, when I preached last week, how many believe you were in an exodus? 
You understand the message? Know that we're in Exodus of the type. Okay. How was we called out? Who stood at the door of something and knocked and said, come out? They stood at an entrance. But that entrance that he stood at was an entrance to a prison. Then we preached that. Locked up in prison. Souls in prison now. In this generation, everything was locked up behind a denominational system, which is basically an era in the revelation of who the Son of God was. So if Jesus stands at the door not, Jesus here is not the man. Jesus is the Holy Ghost, or let's say this light, invisible to everyone except the prophet. He comes and stands at the church door worldwide and knocks and says, Come out of error, my people. Come out of deception. Come out of the Trinitarian dogma. Come out of the Unitarian dogma. And let's understand that I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's a revelation that will bring you into the power of the kingdom of God, which is only the power of the endless life that's already in you called your soul. Amen. Man, that, that's wonderful, isn't it? If I had the full revelation of what I just got through saying, we would just walk right out of here. But you know what? We will have. And we're coming to it. And when we repeat it, in other words, I'm putting you in remembrance of these things because there's nothing else to put you in remembrance of. And when we get put in remembrance long enough that we absolutely come unto one mind or a fellowship of everybody basically in harmony with each other that what you're hearing is the truth. So he'll filter out everyone that's not in harmony to the truth. All right. He said, well, Gary, what if you're not preaching truth? Well, then we've already been separated, and we're the only idiots sitting out here waiting for destruction. What else could it be? If we're not in truth, we've already been deceived. And you don't think you're deceived. So if we're not deceived, then we must be something in the mind of God called sons Sitting here this morning to come to sonship, which is the character and the knowledge of the power of the endless life that you already possess. You never was lost. <laughs> Lord, that ought to make a dead man come out of the grave. Praise be to God. Now, watch. Verily, verily, Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you. The hour is coming, and now is. So you're looking at the Alpha and Omega principle, that what happened in the Alpha 2,000 years ago is promised to repeat exactly in the Omega. Amen. So what God done to Israel and the four Gospels, every parable that Jesus preached, was preached to Israel, but only fulfilled in this hour to the Gentile. That's the truth. The, all the gospels, all the parables, like the Son of Man, the cedar description, a sower went forth to sow. I watched, and here come another man behind sowing the wrong seed. 
the seed of the scripture, every parable is only spoken to tell you and give you the revelation of what it will all end up in in the harvest time. So when you see this man come behind the Son of Man, which is Jesus, the Son of Man, he sowed a seed of discrepancy. That seed, basically sown in the Garden of Eden, we understand that. That seed of discrepancy, one word off, is now in a process of growing and growing and growing. Satan does not have to do nothing else except let that soul, that seed develop and develop until now we've got this world system. You've got this great power called the harlot system. The great Babylon in hers, all these harlots, all these souls is in prison now. We've got this great system that was only what? The seed of error that turned down the revelation of Jesus, the Messiah, 2,000 years ago. We are the climax or the harvest of every spoken word seed of the four Gospels. So when you look back to the four Gospels, we can look back to almost any parable. I get off my subject and come back on. That's all right. Karen, you all want to come? We'll just, I'll just stop. When you go back to the parable and you find out, look at who the people Jesus was speaking to. Now here's the Son of Man speaking to a group of people. You say, well, most of them was religious people. That's absolutely the truth. Pharisees, Sadducees, and no sees at all. He was speaking to what we would call the church. He'd come, and if you look at the attitude of the people that he was talking to, and you look at the outcome of what, how they received him, and look at the product of him preaching to who he was preaching to and their outcome, Bring that over today, and you'll see the same people, the same word, and the same attitude, and the same rejection of this end-time message through a prophet that you saw 2,000 years ago in Jesus, the Son of God. So you and I are basically characters, our seed, symbols, that's promised to come manifest itself in this hour. We either scoff at the appearing of Christ, the invisible union, the rapture so-called, the end-time message and perusia of Christ, the pillar of fire. We scoff at that, and when we do, we crucify to ourselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. In other words, you absolutely crucify yourself. And are destroyed. We can preach many absolutes in this hour. There's degrees of sin. But in this hour. Those that basically speak against the manifestation of the Son of God. The Holy Ghost in a prophet. That is the impardonable sin. And that never will be forgiven in this life or the life of after. The impardonable sin is basically seeing God manifest in a prophet. Those signs and works that prove that it is God, evil spoken against is the unpardonable sin. How many knows that? So whether we understand what the prophet said or whether they don't, 
I am not going to get up and say, well, Brother Branham was a false prophet because uh, he throwed up a rock and it bounced two times. Or he said there was so-and-so and this and he said that. He said, you can study it all he want to. But the works prove to me that it was God manifesting the works. If you cannot receive the messenger, then believe the works. For the works tells you who's doing the what. So I can question the messenger, and you can even question Jesus, the man, and get by with it to a certain extent. But you cannot question this one, this pillar of fire, who is God your Father, and come against the works or the manifestation of His presence, and basically get by with it. I don't want to put it too blunt, but that's the honest truth. So what you're looking at, and we'll read this, and we'll have the same notes next week. I'll save myself and yourself the time of making up new notes. I'll go through it again because I think there's one little spot over here that I misplaced the title of a son in a certain way, but we'll correct that. But here's the understanding. Here is the key. This is your capstone revelation of this hour. The son. He's the door. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming. And now is when the dead shall hear the voice, notice now, of the Son of God. Son of God is Holy Spirit through the ages. Now we can say the voice of the Son of God and we say, well, that's Jesus, the Son of God. So we're going to find that Jesus absolutely divides sonship into ministries for the different groups of people. Watch that. As I said in your notes, we know that Jesus uh, brought forth by his death resurrection that he himself, not in a physical form, but in a spirit body, let's call it a theophany if you want to, but his soul went to Hades or to hell and appeared to them in the form of a man. It wasn't a little light that went down. It was absolutely a form of a man, a theophany, which was Jesus, what we call Jesus' soul, went to hell and knocked on the door to set captivity free. What voice did those in hell hear? That's the question. Now watch your oneness and watch your, watch your father and son. The Bible said they hear the voice of the Son of God. So the voice that you're hearing through any individual that is true is absolutely Spirit God, Son of God, Holy Spirit, Word. All right, now watch. Said the captives free, watch now. now. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, and I'll, I'll shut up and watch. We are promised in this end time, according to Paul, that the Lord himself, that's not Jesus the man. That's not Jesus the man. The Lord himself, which is that light, which represents God himself, which is absolutely a visible expression of the Holy Spirit, God himself, is promised to descend from heaven, 
come off of his throne, come down here to earth, and it says, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. That shout is not actually the voice of the one that descends. It is the voice that you're hearing of a man, a prophet, being used by that spirit. I hope we can under, get the picture. If you get the picture of the Godhead, you'll understand this message every ounce of it. Every bit of it. It won't be a mystery. So what we're looking at is this. We're looking at the Omega fulfillment of the Word of God that was spoke 2,000 years ago that we're in now in process and you and I are coming forth and manifesting the sons are the son of Almighty God making you and I the mystery of God revealed. Because God had a mystery that he was going to bring a church through a process, immortalize them, and give them the power of the endless life or the power of the life which is God himself in physical, mortal bodies. Amen. And we understand over and over, in the days of the voice, of the seventh angel when he should begin to sound. They that hear that voice. Which is basically God himself speaking through a prophet. Shall live and hear. Or hear and live. We got to hear a voice. Alpha and Omega principle. We keep repenting. And that's what we're going over and over. For we know that this scripture. Not only was Jesus speaking to that generation that he fulfilled in the first resurrection. It also speaks of a ministry, a visitation, and a ministry in this hour that will bring you and I, the body of Christ, to his climax or harvest, which is basically immortality. So we'll begin this series, and this is the beginning of it, going through the seven steps to immortality. Everything is in sevens. And we are at the climax of it. Let me just follow me now. The first step to immortal life power is identify who Jesus the Son is. Let's stand this morning, would you? We'll stop right there. I will not make other notes next week, so bring your notes back. And we'll start right here with everybody. That's just a foundation showing you where we're going. And we'll sit right here and we'll break down how Jesus divides the Son into two, three titles. Son of Man, Son of God, Son of David. Son of Man was Jesus. God manifested in and through a prophet, Son of Man. Son of God was the Holy Spirit that come back on the day of Pentecost as Holy Spirit in the church for seven church ages. Son of David is one in the millennium, the incarnated Logos will incarnate the glorified body at the marriage supper of the Lamb. He will walk out on the ashes of the wicked and rule and reign as King David or the son of David for 1,000 years. That's where we're heading now. 
That's the season that we're in. It's the season of immortality. Amen. And the first step to know you're in there, and now we understand the steps. The steps could not be understood until God sent a prophet to reveal himself as the thunders and the seals of revelation. And the seven seals was only Christ revealed to you, making known to you the process that he took you through and who you are in this hour. So when you can identify Jesus, the Son of God, you can identify who you are as sons and daughters of God. Unless you can identify Jesus, you can't not identify yourself. And until we can identify who we are and what we are, you will never see the manifestation of the power of eternal life that's dwelling in you right now. Isn't it a shame to have power and not be able to use it? Wouldn't it be a shame to have a million dollars in the bank and couldn't write a check on it? And when you go down to the bank teller, you say, well, I got a million dollars in here. Give me a little cash. And they say, well, uh, you've got to have a password. And at my age, I might as well not even have a million dollars. Because unless I write it down three times and lose it, I can't remember passwords. Hemi read the story, and I'm getting a little light this morning. Hemi read the story. I don't know. I hadn't heard from him from the uh, last two or three weeks. There was a guy that got into this Bitcoin. I don't know what all Bitcoin was, digital, whatever, money, whatever. And I think he had, what, 40 or 50 million or 200 million in there, something like that. And he couldn't remember his password to get to it. And he only had seven tries, I think, to open up the, all this wealth. And he's used six of them. If he misses one more, 200 million is gone. It never existed. I'm sure he's very careful of how he punches in the code word and presses enter. You have treasures that you cannot even fathom. We have unlimited power. We've got power and authority by authority that we cannot even explain, comprehend, or even know. And we've only got one more try of punching in the right word to release all the wealth, all the power that we already possess in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't think it's going to waste. Some of it will. Some of us will never use the power. We'll never bring the word in our mouth. We'll never manifest. We'll never appropriate this power over to the remnant that was given to us. And most of us, a lot of us, will actually live a defeated life. We'll live a life questioning who we are, what we are, how things are going. And we'll always ponder, what about this, what about that, what about this, and what about that? When it's time to come down that you know, that you know, that you know. I've tried my best by the Scriptures to convince you, by the Scripture, by the end time message, that we, according to the spoken word, and every seed produces after its own kind, that we were not dogs turned into Something else. You always was a species of God, period. You've got to understand that, believe that, 
confess it out of your mouth to establish to your soul the true identity of Jesus, the Son of God. Those words may sound like a bunch of knowledge or theology. It won't do you any bit of good, but it is the key to the power of the endless life. You've got, we've got one key that's called the Son. The Son. Not God the Son, the Son. Because the revelation of the Son brings forth the identity of who you are as sons and daughters of God and releases the power of sonship in you for the manifestation of the third pull. And the third pull is basically the expression of eternal life being now released that will bring the resurrection, change our body, and go into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. So bring your notes back next week, and we'll get into how Jesus divides the Son to open up the process and establish us in present-day truth. You must be established in a truth today. And that means you're nailed down, you're convinced, Nothing will change you. They can't burn it out of you, scare it out of you, nothing else. You know that you know. And no matter what comes, there will be no fear. There will be nothing that can take you out of the foreknowledge and predestination of God. Amen? Amen. What are we playing? There is power, power working in the blood. Uh, of the Lamb, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. Oh, there is power. Of the Lamb, oh, there is power. Turn around and shake hands with somebody if you dare. Amen. Oh, there is power. Power. Oh, wonder working power. In the blood, oh, of the Lamb, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious. Sing it one more time. Let's go. Oh, there is power. Now, you sung that song, which is basically a confirmation of what I just got through preaching. There is power in the blood of the Lamb. The power is in the life that's in the blood of the Lamb. The blood released the power of an endless life that whosoever believeth upon me should not perish but have Everlasting life.
Amen. To the remnant of God, this power of the endless life, our resurrection power that is here, is a product of a revelation of an entrance that has been ministered to you. Into the kingdom are the power of eternal life. Amen and amen. So let's sing it one more time before we're dismissed. I don't know how much snow's out there, but it really don't make any difference. We got all day to get home. Well, there is power. Power. Wonder